you've got your Bibles, you can feel free to open up to Acts chapter 1. We'll be there in just a second. Many of you are probably aware that there is a sporting event going on tonight, and uh, I promised this morning in the announcements here at the Hickson campus that we would be finished in plenty of time to go worship at the altar of football as well, so uh, don't worry, we'll, we'll get there. Uh, but I wanted to talk about a couple things tonight. Um, one of the things that a sporting event requires uh, for most sports, unless it's soccer, because that's just is annoying. Uh, you can tie and everybody goes home, and apparently that's okay. Uh, but most sporting events require some type of a victor. And if you have a victor, that means you generally have somebody who lost, somebody who came in second. Um, and in thinking about uh, sporting events... I was thinking through uh, some of the scriptures that talk about uh, individuals who didn't win, individuals who didn't come in first place, who didn't get picked. Um, so most of you can probably recall back to your, your school days, and you're out on the playground, and it's time to pick teams for insert sport here, right? So how many of you were the always picked first, always picked first or second, the athletes, the, you know, that's where you were. Julie, don't raise your hand. That's a lie. <laughs> I'm going to call you out right here. Chris Cordes, I believe that. Um, strong back, uh, weak mind, plow through. That works really well, right? Okay, fantastic. Um, it depended upon the sport for me. Uh, when I was in the ninth grade, I was six foot one, 112 pounds. It was like feed the children. I know it was awful. Um, my wife's cooking has resolved that particular problem since then, so that's good. Uh, but if, if we were playing basketball, I'm all in, going to be picked toward the top. If we were playing football, I'm carrying the water to the guys who are actually going to participate, right? It's just not going to work. Uh, so I'm, I've been on both sides of that particular fence. Uh, my dad uh, was privileged, I, I would say, to be a part of a girls' basketball program for 18 seasons. Go ahead and go to the next slide for me. And uh, they were very successful, very successful. This is a, a small sample of his uh, championship rings from those 18 seasons. They, uh, it was from Shelbyville, Tennessee. He was the assistant coach for 18 seasons there. And they went to the uh, state finals 15 times in those 18 seasons and uh, won 10 of them, 10 state championships, five state runner-ups, uh, just phenomenal success. They, they actually won the national championship as ranked by USA Today twice. Um, they got to meet the president of the United States in the Oval Office. It was amazing. Just all kinds of incredible success. And the thing that I asked him, and I've asked him several times, is that for those seasons where you went all the way to the brink of the edge of the state tournament and then lost in the last game, did you get a ring? Well, no, we didn't get a ring for that. You get a ring for winning it all. You don't get a ring for second place. There's a trophy for the team to take home and put in a case that someone will look back on many years from now, but, but there's not a ring for that. Uh, go ahead and go to the next slide. This is my second place award. I don't know if you can read it up there or not, but it says TMTA Regional Math Contest. Yes, there we go. Uh, geometry, second place Jim Fleming. I won this in, see that would have been 
93, I think, I was a sophomore in high school. And this was a competition where schools from all around uh, Middle Tennessee came and competed. They brought their best and brightest math students. And I got second place in Middle Tennessee for math. I was like, that's pretty good. Uh, we, no, no, no. <laughs> no. There were really smart people there, too. <laughs> um, the guy that, uh, that won from my school the next year, actually, he won the geometry contest. He actually didn't take geometry for credit. They handed him the book on a Thursday. He came back on a Monday, asked a half a dozen questions to the teacher, and went and took the test. Got first in the state. There's a significant gap between my little second place in mid-state and somebody that can do that, right? Have you ever met anybody that could take a textbook and then be a master of a subject? That, I, I've, I just have a struggle with that. So second place sometimes is quite satisfying because for me, I got to school every single day at 7 o'clock in the morning, an hour before school started, and we studied for nearly an entire year to take this test. Second place, that was great. I was extremely happy. And there are times when second place, when people that get second place are not happy at all. If you can go to the next slide for me. You know who this is? Michaela Maroney. The 2012 uh, Summer Games, she got a silver medal for the vault, which is very difficult. I would venture to say nobody in here could uh, perform that maneuver without serious bodily injury. I, I couldn't um, right now. And she's known for her not impressed face. Uh, and this spread all over the internet. You may have seen this on different websites with some cute little caption at the bottom. She actually got to meet the president, and they both made the not impressed face at the same time, which is kind of funny, in the Oval Office. It was hilarious. Uh, but she got second, and that's not what she went for. She wanted the gold. She'd worked her entire life on this skill and didn't win. And I think about this concept of coming in second place and not winning and not getting what you really really wanted. And there's an example of this in Scripture in Acts chapter 1. Um, so if you'll turn there, we'll take a look at uh, Acts chapter 1. Not quite yet. Thanks. So we'll start in verse 12. So the, the first couple of verses of Acts 1 are, here's who's writing, here's who's it's to, the Holy Spirit's promised, Jesus goes to heaven, and they're all left. Okay, so Acts chapter 1, verse 12. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. And when they had entered, they went up into the upper room where they were staying. Now I want you to count. Sometimes numbers are important. I want you to count how many people are named here. Peter, James, John, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, Simon the zealot, and Judas, the son of James. So how many is that? Eleven. So we've got eleven. Verse 14. Then they, these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples. All together, the number of names was about 120. Okay, so we'll pause here for just a second. And we'll review who was with Jesus and when. 
All right, so we'll start from the, the centermost part of the circle and we'll work our way out. So is there anybody in the New Testament that's described as someone that Jesus loved over and over and over and over and over again? John, right? So, so John. So you've got Jesus. John's right next to him. Is there a small group of disciples that were called away to be with Jesus privately on multiple occasions? Who's that? Peter, James, and John. So the circle gets a little bigger, right? So we've gone from one to three. And then you've got the 12 disciples. So now there's 12. And many times if you read through the scriptures, you see that there were uh, women and those that were supporting them the entire time financially as they traveled. And then there's 70 disciples named a couple different times. And then here we see 120. So there's different levels of closeness to Jesus when he was traveling around on the earth. Does this make sense? You with me so far? All right. So everybody couldn't be John. This is, this is a tough one to accept, right? Because I'm sure at some point in some of that ministry, somebody went, well, why did Peter, James, and John get to go talk to Jesus? Why can't we be there? I want to be in that circle. I want to know what they're saying. I don't want to hear it secondhand or thirdhand or fourthhand. I want to know that, right? So just put yourself in this scenario. So let's go back to verse 15. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples. Altogether, the number of names was about 120 and said, Men and brethren, this scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke before by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered with us and obtained a part in this ministry. Verse 20, for it is written in the book of Psalms, let his dwelling place be desolate and let no one live in it and let another take his office. So Bible trivia, how many, how many disciples did Jesus call to be with him and to travel around with him virtually everywhere he went? I'll give you a hint. It's one more than they have right now. It's 12, right? And we had named 11. So if another's going to take his office, they got to find somebody else, right? So the search is on. This is Jerusalem Idol. Here we go. I thought that was funny. Come on, really? Or maybe Israeli Idol, since it's the national term, okay? Chris laughed. We'll go with that. Verse 21, Therefore these men who have accompanied us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out amongst us, this is about three years, beginning from the baptism of John, to that day when he was taken up from us, one of these must become a, what's your Bible say? What does it say? That's not the word. The word is martus. That's the Greek word. Gotcha. Sorry. The Greek word martyr means one who testifies. That's what it meant at the beginning of the New Testament period. It meant one who testifies. The problem was that the word changed meaning over the course of the New Testament because these people kept testifying, and when they testified, they died for what they talked about. So the meaning changed from one who testifies to one who just died for what they said. So we need another martyr with us, another witness with us of his resurrection. So let's go to the next slide. So the apostles, we, had a, we have a job opening, we have a vacancy, and here's the job description. The job description's got one line. It is extremely simple. 
It is, be a witness of Jesus Christ's resurrection. That's what an apostle did. And when you see advertisements and publications today that say, apostle so-and-so is going to speak here, no. No, they're not. Because unless they saw with their own eyes the resurrected Jesus Christ, you don't get to have the title of an apostle. Doesn't work. So the one item on the job description, if you can't fulfill that, you probably shouldn't get the job. What'd you say? I think that's rather logical. Okay. So um, uh, J. Burton Kaufman in his commentary says, there was never a witness becoming a successor to a witness. Right? You, you, can't, you can't pass that off to the next generation. So verse 23, and they proposed, so this is the 11, proposed, and really the word is nominated or stood up, two. So I need two volunteers, two men. Can I get two volunteers, two men? So I got Chris. There we go. Anybody else? All right, and I got Jim. Thank you, sirs. All right, so I've got two. Now, who was the pool that we're talking about? The pool that we're talking about are folks that have been with Jesus from the baptism of John. All th- Come on up, guys. Come on up. They stood up just right, right, here, right here in front. Thank you. So they've been with Jesus from the baptism of John through the cross, and they saw him after the resurrection. Okay? So they've seen the whole thing. They're just not part of the twelve. These are probably in that 13 to 70 number, somewhere in there. Right? So they're in the circle. They're just not in the close circle, and they weren't in the inner circle. Does this make sense? So we've got two. What does the Bible say that their names are? The first, who wants to be the first? You'll be the first. Fantastic. The first is called Joseph Barsabbas, whose surname was Justice. That's a lot of names. Okay, so let's go through those real quick. So Joseph means let him add. Barsabbas means son of generosity. And his surname was Justice, which means just. So we have a just man whose name means let him add generosity. Wow. That's a heck of a candidate, right? I mean, we've got, a, we've got a good quality candidate right here. Let him add generosity, and he's just. All right, pretty good, right? And then, I love how the Bible says, and Matthias. <laughs> All right? Just, and Matthias, right? And Matthias means, huh, maybe I should have picked somebody else. I don't know. It means gift of God. No, you, you, you're good, brother. Appreciate you. So we've got, let him add generosity and just and gift of God. What do you think? That's two pretty good choices, aren't they? And, and remember, the job description is just be a witness of Jesus Christ's resurrection. And the apostles have a decision to make. And they prayed. I love verse 24. And they prayed. That's a great way to start a decision-making process, right? And they prayed and they said, You, O Lord, know the hearts. The Greek word is kardionostes. It means literally the knower of the heart. The plural heart. You know the heart here. You know the heart here. You know the hearts, Lord, of all. Show. This is actually an imperative. They're, they're telling God to do something. I love bold prayers. Show which of these two you have chosen to take part in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas by transgression fell, that he may go to his own place. 
Now, I want to be really clear with something. They are not asking to change God's will. They're asking to know God's will. That's your next blank. They're asking to know God's will. It's a big difference here. They're not saying, God, change your mind about this thing. They're saying, God, please illuminate this. So let's talk about this concept for just a second. So what do you do when you got to make a choice and you got two really good options? Huh. Now, many times in life, we feel like we're right here when we're not. When we're, we're actually between a really good choice and a really awful choice. And we just don't want to stop and pray and ask God for his input because very quickly it becomes evident that, no, um, running away from my wife and my kids is probably not the right idea, right? I don't think Jesus would be happy with that. And if I had a nickel for every time I've had somebody in this building walk up to me and say, I think God's telling me to leave my family. No, he's not. <laughs> I, I got a verse for you. If you don't like that one, I got some more. You know, this is, it's really basic sometimes when there's a right answer and a definitively wrong answer. But right now we have two right answers. It's not a bad choice from a human perspective here. So what do you do? What do you do? Well, they prayed. They already asked God, right? Is an answer given? They drew straws, didn't they? Isn't that great? You know why? Because we fret and worry over stuff that it's okay. It can go either way. You know? Life's too short to worry about every little thing. It's all right. Psalm 1633 says, The lot is played, the dice are cast, and the Lord knows which way it's going to go. And he's in control of that. So let's keep reading here. So verse 26. And they cast their lots. Doesn't sound very spiritual. <laughs> right? We drew straws. Well, well, doesn't God come with a billboard and say, Choose Matthias? No, he doesn't. Very rarely in our lives is a billboard going to go, oh, yeah, that's absolutely what I should be doing right now. No. More often than not, we're going to be presented with options. God loves it when we come to him and ask. Right? What a wonderful living out of what Jesus had been teaching them. Trust on God. Rely on him. He'll give the answer. And they cast their lot, and the lot fell on Matthias. And he was numbered with the 11 apostles. Now, this is actually a big deal because later on in the book of Revelation, it talks about the names of the apostles are actually etched into the foundation of New Jerusalem. And I got to wonder if Judas Iscariot's name's there. And I got to think it's probably not, right? I kind of got to wonder that Matthias' name is there. This actually is a big decision. And he's numbered with the 11 apostles. So, next two blanks. Matthias was picked. We selected him. Next blank after that. Joseph Barsabbas Justice was not picked. So, I've got two questions for you. How do you feel if you're Matthias? Yeah, this is awesome. I'm in. I'm one of the 12. This is cool, Right? I get named. I'm an apostle at this point. This is, this is great. 
Thank you, Lord, for this honor. This is wonderful. And how do you feel if you're Joseph Barsabbas Justice? Man, why, why didn't the lot roll my way? What did I do wrong? Is there some sin in my life that God didn't want to pick me? Is, well, maybe, maybe I made a wrong choice years ago, and this is just turning out, this is the, the punishment from God. And, and, and in my mind, sometimes I very quickly go down this quid pro quo God path of if I do something bad, then God's going to do something bad back. And if I do something good, then God's going to do something good back. And the reality is he has poured so much goodness on us, it chases us the rest of our lives. Surely goodness and mercy will follow you. It means to doggedly chase after. You cannot outrun it. It is beautiful. We do not serve a quid pro quo God. If we did, we'd all burn in hell. If we did, we'd never get a chance to breathe. It's beautiful. I don't think he did anything wrong. I think he just wasn't picked. So the question then is what do we do with that? Right? What do you do when you don't get picked? A couple quotes here. Um, don't ever get drunk on the culture's need to measure success by selection. You ever felt like a disappointment because you weren't selected for something? You didn't get that job. You didn't get that girl. You didn't get that guy. Selection is not always a sign of success, but readiness is. Here's the beautiful thing about this passage. The beautiful thing about this passage is that there were two guys ready to go. Isn't that great? What a shame it would have been if there was a total void of leadership in the early New Testament church and there was nobody that was available to fill this spot. How awful would that have been? But we had more candidates that were qualified then we had positions. This is a great spot to be in. This is beautiful. So what do we do with that? What do we do when we don't get picked? What do we do when we come in second place? What do we do when the other guy that we feel like maybe, you know, I mean, I don't know if you can tell, but Joseph Barsabbas Justice has more hair than Matthias does. Right? I mean, he looks good over here. He's got hair. He's good to go, you know. And... You know, we're going to get squinting here off the glare. It's just... And he owns a hamburger stand. And he owns a hamburger stand. I mean, free burgers with Jesus. I mean, this is fantastic, right? Maybe not free. Like, maybe discount, <laughs> slight discount, you know? David Guzik has a great quote. He says, uh, We should not assume that Matthias was a dud as an apostle. you got to love a theologian when they use the word dud in their... Uh, in their writings. You say, now I'm talking about Matthias now, right? Because tell me where Matthias shows up next in the New Testament. Crickets. He doesn't. Well, that's, that's okay, except for Peter and John, none of the original 12 are mentioned again after Acts chapter 1. That's interesting, isn't it? Okay. So maybe being numbered in the 12 was great for that few years, but it didn't necessarily impact your no ability for the next 2,000 years. So what's the point? Thank you, gentlemen. I appreciate your help. A couple points here. Number one, be ready. Be ready. Most people don't get to go in the first place. That We think about the Super Bowl that's going to happen tonight, and we think there's going to be a winner and a loser. And the reality is 
there's a lot more than one loser tonight because there's a whole bunch of teams that never even made it there that are sitting on the sidelines or sitting in the stands or sitting at home wondering, you know, what if, what if we'd have done just a little more? What if we'd have done this or this or this? Could, could we have been playing in the big game? Maybe. But be ready. It's important. Number two, someone will always come in second place. Somebody's always going to come in second place. You remember how we started off with John and then Peter, James, and John and then the 12 apostles and the 70 and the 120? Well, my question is, between numbers 13 and 70, we know Justice and we know Matthias. There's 66 other names. Who were they? I don't know. But they were there. They were ready. They were doing the work. They were praying. They were waiting on Jesus to come back. They were taking it seriously. They had seen the Messiah. Somebody's always going to come in second. And number three, this story is really about God and us giving him first place. See, most of the time when we read the scripture, it's, it's not just about the actual events that are going on and the retelling of the account that's there in Scripture, there's a bigger story that's being told. And I think there's a bigger story that's being told here. And that's, what am I doing with God, and where do I put Him in my life? Am I first? Do I have a desire to be first? Am I second? Where is that? Now, there's a suggested resource at the bottom of your handout. It says, IamSecond.com. I'm going to have you watch a video. This is from that website, and this is Tony Dungy. You may know who Tony Dungy is. He was a football coach. He coached the, um, uh, who did he coach first before the Colts? Uh, Tampa Bay, yes. He coached Tampa Bay and did well in Tampa Bay. And then got fired, as most coaches do. It's the way most coaches end their careers. And got a job offer at, with the uh, Col- Indianapolis Colts and did quite well with the Colts after a long dry period. So we're going to watch a video right now. We've, we've got that ready. We can cue that up. The church I grew up in, the pastor was very fond of saying, what does the Bible say? And we've looked at that. Rick Warren was the first person that I ever heard say, so you've read the text, so what? I thought, that's kind of irreverent. <laughs> what, what do you mean, so what? What does it mean? How do we apply that? And Andy Stanley was the first person that I ever heard say, now what? Now, now that we understand how it applies, how does that impact my life? What do I do with that? So the personalization part of this. Number one, don't quit. We don't get to quit. Game's never over. Even when the players change, even when the score doesn't look good, even when we've had a good day, even when we've had a bad day, we don't get to quit, ever. And number two, serve anyway. Jesus didn't put us here to fossilize. He put us here to evangelize. And there's a big difference between the two. One is passive, leaned back, not caring or concerned about our world. One is actively engaging, 
on behalf of another who is first in our lives. So my big question and the point to ponder at the bottom of the page is am I first or am I second? Because a lot of times in my life, I struggle. I feel like I'm in an arm wrestling converse, uh, contest with God, wrestling over, I want to be first. Well, now I want to be first. Well, I want to be first. And the reality is, he's first, right? That's the way this works. It's whether I line up under that, acknowledge it, and live my life accordingly. So maybe tonight, as you go home, and maybe tonight, as you turn on a sporting event, Cross your mind to think about who's first and who's second. And maybe tonight, if the game doesn't hold your attention, because if you, like me, are more concerned about the commercials than the actual game, you go to IamSecond.com and pull up a couple of these and be very inspired by some very well-known folks who say, I'm not first, I'm second. And maybe we take that approach too. So, with that, that concludes what I had prepared for tonight. Uh, as I promised, we'd be out a little early so that we can safely travel to wherever we need to travel. But if you guys would uh, stand with me, we'll uh, close in prayer and be dismissed. Father, we are so thankful that you are a great God. We are thankful that you are the master and the maker of the universe. We're thankful that, uh, that your example to us is so far beyond uh, anything that, that we can imagine. We're thankful, Lord, that you love us. We're thankful that you have called us into this ministry with you to serve and to be your hands and your feet. We readily acknowledge that you are first and that we are second. And Father, we ask that, that we, like the man we read about tonight, Justice, would be okay with being second. That we would acknowledge that you have a plan for all of mankind and that we fit, but that we're not the celebrities of that plan. And we ask that you would give us wisdom to live wisely and boldly so that we could do what you'd have us to do with confidence, knowing that you love us and that you've prepared the way for us and that you have our backs the entire time. We love you, Lord, and we ask for safety tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.